Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. Don't hold on to your headphones. It's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss new expectations for high-rise living, placing your order at a fast food restaurant, and staying top of mind in a world filled with distractions. Building intention, ordering reinvention, and paying attention. Oh my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. This edition of CX Press comes from the Globe and Mail and is written by architecture critic Alex Bozakovich. The article is titled, Thinking Big. Danish architects have a radical vision to build a distinct condo community in Toronto. And the article explains the vision for a new residential complex in the heart of Toronto by Starkitect Bjarke Ingels. Now that hold on a second, hold on a second. Did you say Starkitect? Yes, indeed, I did say Starkitect. This is kind of the melding of the word star and architect. And Starkitect is the name often used to describe some of the world's most sought-after architects. And Bjarke Ingels of Bjarke Ingels Group, or B-I-G, big as they're known, is certainly one of them. His firm's been planning to build out a high-rise apartment complex in Toronto for several years. And as of last week, it's finally received approval and is going to start construction and pre-sales. Are they also notorious? Ah, get it. Notorious B.I.G. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yes, yes. They are notorious architects. Notorious B.I.G. architects. Fantastic. So I know you spend a good amount of time in Toronto. I actually do too. I've been there several times this year and I'll be back later this year. But I hear it's one of your favorite cities. Yeah, Toronto, I think I did a little analysis and I think Toronto's YYZ or Pearson Airport, that's YYZ is the airport code, is the airport I spend the most time in other than my home airport of Denver. So yeah, Toronto's fantastic. I'm there eight to 10 times a year for speeches and client engagements. And I've actually been watching eagerly from the sidelines as this project has come together. Bjarke Ingels is an incredible architect. He's got an absolute amazing ability to intertwine these visually stunning buildings with a focus on experience. And this new King Street development in downtown Toronto promises to be just that. Folks, if you want to see this fantastic building, or at least some architect's renderings and artist renderings of this building, check out the show notes at experiencethisshow.com. It's pretty amazing what they're planning to build. So this article points out a few things about the project that we thought would be interesting to discuss on this show. The first one being that the building is, quote, configured as a series of mountains, irregular stacks of boxes that each contain a home or a piece of one. 
The residences rise up over and around four century-old brick buildings, which will all be retained entirely or in large part. The big design gives each home its own distinct expression and its own terrace. As you step out from an apartment, you'll be able to look across the way to wave to your neighbors, unquote. As Mr. Ingalls notes, residents will actually be able to see each other and say hello to each other. One of the interesting things, differences between uh, country living and city living, and you know, I've had the pleasure of experiencing both, is that in city living, while there's a higher density of people, you live closer to your neighbors, often you don't know who they are and you don't interact with them. It's just kind of the nature of big city living sometimes. So what I love about this project is that there's going to be the opportunity because of the design of the building to have more straight on shots at your neighbors, people who've decided to live in this beautiful building that is designed to foster interaction between the neighbors. And what I also thought was interesting about this project, a second thing, is how something new is being fit in between two distinct older neighborhoods. So if you're not familiar with downtown Toronto, this project is being constructed in a neighborhood where Toronto's downtown skyscrapers are starting to meet a neighborhood with shorter brick buildings. It's kind of right on the border where it converts from being part of downtown proper to a little more residential. And as Bjarke Ingels explains in the article, quote, it's not just a giant rectangle. Rather, it is a deliberately intended device to create all sorts of social interaction. And so, again, what I think is fascinating is the very design of the building is not only designed to create interaction between the neighbors, but to serve as kind of a bridge within the neighborhoods to connect the old to the new and the new to the old. Well, and one other quote that I really liked from Mr. Ingalls was, if everyone is different, then why do so many buildings look the same? That's been something we've been talking about for a few years now. And you know what? That's something we've been talking about on this show as well, because different can often be unique and remarkable. The same is generally not worthy of remark. And so I think if we can tie it to sort of some of the lessons that we come back to a lot on this show is just because your competitors are doing something or everybody else is doing something, uh, it might mean that you should zig when they're zagging because that's what creates experiences that people talk about. Absolutely. I think it's fascinating is you drive through suburban America. Lots of times you'll go past developments where it looks like a cookie cutter machine dropped the same house next to the same house next to the same house. And you also see that in a lot of big cities with high rises that, you know, are kind of the same steel, glass and concrete configurations that one building looks a lot like the building next to it. And what I think is fascinating is in the last 20 years, we've certainly seen this, but especially in the last 10 Downtown cities have really started to emphasize unique architecture, and Toronto is certainly an example of this. They have an absolutely incredible skyline. The new developments are really interesting and intriguing, and it's actually bringing people downtown. In an era where many downtowns are struggling to have inhabitants, Toronto's downtown, at least as an outsider, appears to be growing. 
And what I love most about this article and about what BRK Zingles Group is doing in Toronto with this building is that it illustrates just how much a focus on customer experience is becoming a major consideration in every industry. It used to be that if you were building an apartment complex, you really only considered the amenities inside the actual apartment units. Are you going to have a washer and dryer? Are you going to have a nice stainless steel refrigerator? That type of thing. Then it became really important to consider the experience of the building amenities. Well, do you have a gym? Do you have a pool? Do you have working areas, party rooms, you know, a roof deck? But now apartment buyers are expecting their housing choice to be not only unique in look, but to be unique in experience and to have every aspect of the apartment building be speaking to the kind of lifestyle they want to live and the experience they want to have even if that's part of a 500-plus unit apartment complex. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? I did something I don't usually do last week, Dan. Well, it's either one of two things. You either logged into Twitter and posted a tweet... (laughs) Or you made a baseball reference instead of me. Wow. Wow. Well, actually, I think the baseball reference is a lot more likely. Yeah. No, I did not log into Twitter and post a tweet. No, I I leave all the tweeting to you, my friend. No, but what I did is I found myself at a fast food restaurant. I was traveling with my family to a wedding. And as a special treat for our two little boys who are five and two and a half, I wanted to get them a milkshake during our layover at Seattle Airport. Now, before anybody is judging me for getting minors a milkshake, It was just one of those flights where they had been really well behaved and I figured let's dose them with sugar to make sure the next flight's a disaster. But as fate would have it, our departure gate was located directly across the terminal from a fast food restaurant that's part of a major chain. Okay, so surely you've had fast food before. What is so interesting or different about this particular visit? Well, you're right, Dan. While I I don't eat fast food a lot. I have been plenty of times over the years, but this was the first time that I ever placed my own order at a fast food restaurant using a self-serve touchscreen. Now, the screen is about three feet tall and it allows you to navigate a visual menu. So you select the items you want and then customize them as need be. So while I was just ordering a vanilla shake, which no pun intended is a pretty vanilla order, two clicks and we're basically done, I did see people customizing burger toppings and kind of doing add ons as they navigated through the menu. And what's interesting is when you place your order, you pay directly using this kiosk. And then you wait for your food. Now, in the entire fast food restaurant at the airport, there were only two employees behind the counter, and they were fulfilling the orders as they came out and placing the food in to-go bags before handing it over to the waiting customers. Well, one of the things I like about this is that it's easy. And and you mentioned that people were able to even customize orders and do that in a simple interface But the other thing that I think is important here is that it also plays towards accuracy, which is usually an Achilles heel at a fast food restaurant. How many of us have driven away and, you know, they don't have the fries or they gave us the wrong burger or something like that. 
And so accuracy tends to be a big problem. And I think with a self-service board, you got no one to blame other than yourself if the order's wrong. There's a lot of truth to that. I won't quote the line from the Lethal Weapon movies about what they do to you at the drive-thru, but I think most people are familiar with that line. I agree with you. I mean, it's one of those things where it does give you more control and it reduces the number of people that they have to have on staff and it makes it a seamless interaction. You're right. It's really important to have a, a clean and easy to use interface. And for the most part, it was straightforward. But I have to admit, I did see a few customers struggling. And what was interesting is other customers in line started to help them out. So this whole fear about automating and you know the robots are going to make us less human type thing, it actually created human interaction by people waiting in line to place their orders because they were helping the other people in line to navigate the screen. So I thought that was kind of an interesting and unexpected you know, occurrence and situation that had been created by these kiosks. Now, what was crazy is when I got to the family wedding I was going to, I told my family about this experience. And I grew up in a small town in northwestern Iowa called Fort Dodge. And my family actually shared with me that this same technology exists in this fast food restaurant chain in the location in my hometown in Iowa. Now, this is a pretty small town. It has maybe 25, 30,000 people max. And so for folks that are saying, oh, the technology is only rolling out to the big city, actually, this is something that appears to be rolling out nationwide. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. Now, you do have to worry at some point that everything, every aspect of your visit to the fast food restaurant will be automated. And and I know that a lot of people are concerned that the robots are taking over and that you know people will lose their jobs. But I think in this particular case, that's not really the goal. The, the goal really is to speed up the whole experience. And, and I do think the accuracy thing is important, as I said. But also, it is clearly something that is uh, remarkable, as you like to say, because right here on the show, it is worthy of discussion. Absolutely. I think what I found really interesting about this is that in many ways, the future has arrived, but we only can see it if we're paying attention. Right, We can only see the quote-unquote robots taking over if we're willing to acknowledge that robots don't always look like robots. Robots can look like an interactive kiosk screen. So a giant touchscreen that allows you to place your own order is a way that technology is really changing dramatically the food ordering experience. And it's just a matter of time, I think, before this technology is paired with a conveyor belt and an automated grill that is going to make a trip to a fast food restaurant easier and faster than ever before. We're excited to give you an overview of an important book you should know about, as well as share some of our favorite passages as part of our next book report. I recently read a fantastic book, Dan, that I wanted to share with you and our listeners. So I told you about it, and that's why we're going to do a book report. It's by my good friend and incredible speaker, Neen James, and it's called Attention Pays, How to Drive Profitability, Productivity, and Accountability. Okay, Joe, you've got my attention. See what oh I did my there? Gosh, you really went there. I can't believe it. Okay, ah, everyone's familiar with the maxim to pay attention. And for most businesses, that's what they're trying to get their prospects and their customers to do. 
Pay attention to their ads. Pay attention to their messaging. Pay attention to their content and their efforts to stay top of mind. What I love about Neen's book is that it turns this behavior on its head. And it shows a more enlightened way to stay top of mind by how you live your life, the habits you commit to, and what you choose to focus on. How you show up in the world dramatically contributes to how much your customers, in both your professional life and your personal life, will pay attention to you. Now, I could go on and on about this book, but let's let the author, Neen James, give you an overview of what the book is all about. G'day. What a treat it is to share with you Attention Pays. I wonder if you're tired of being too busy and maybe not productive, or maybe you're sick of feeling overwhelmed and stressed out. Maybe you can't seem to find enough hours in the day to get your work done. Maybe even take care of your personal life. Well, Attention Pays was written for you because I think what's happening is we're living these lives of constantly being connected, these constant barrage of disruptions, and we find ourselves faced with the dilemma of how do we even prioritize our priorities. My book shows you how to unplug from the crazy, plug into the tools and the strategies and the mindset to have the power that you need to really harness your attention and help you reach your most highest potential. This book was written so that you would be feeling really productive and achieve what I call work-life integration, that you will get that absolute focus that you crave. After spending years speaking around the globe and coaching clients, I find so many of them are just overwhelmed, overstressed, and overtired, and so we needed a solution, and that's why I wrote Attention Pays. But what I believe, it's intention that makes attention valuable. People want to be seen and they want to be heard. And this book will help you as a leader know how you can really make sure that you're investing your attention in what matters, who matters, and how you make an impact in the world. I hope you enjoy Attention Pays as much as I loved writing it for you. Well, I can certainly relate to this, as I'm sure you can, Joey, because we do live very, very busy lives. And it is amazing how little time we have to pay attention to the things that are important and or just to make time for the things that are important. And I know uh, because you and I talk about this a lot that neither one of us gets a lot of sleep because we literally try to squeeze more hours out of the day, but that's not really a, a healthy way to do it either. So I really liked what she said there, especially the comment about what matters, who matters and how to make an impact in the world. Because if you take the time to step back and ask yourself, is what I'm doing really important? Does it change things? Does it have an effect? Or is it just something that I'm crossing off my to-do list? And I don't know about you, but I've got a to-do list that never seems to end. And I stress <laughs> about it. And I, and I stress about you know creating the do list and et cetera. And so I think the messages that she talks about here are really important, frankly, to everybody that's listening and, and especially everybody that is juggling a job and a family and, and all the pressures of life. I agree, Dan. I think there are so many things that are on our plate that deciding what to consciously focus on 
is an important step of every modern professional's life that many of us don't take the time to do on a regular basis. And what I love about Neen's book is how digestible and action-oriented it is. Now, don't be fooled by the fact that this book is only 169 pages long. Much like Neen, who's a good friend and stands a whopping four feet, ten and a half inches, this is a small book that packs a powerful message. Neen has worked with world-renowned brands like Comcast and the Ritz-Carlton and Pfizer, just to name a few, in order to help their executives and managers get better at paying attention. And each chapter in the book not only outlines the important principles she advocates, but includes a series of thought-provoking questions and recommended action steps for you to quickly and effectively put her philosophies into action. To set the stage for this, let's hear Neen share her favorite passage from Attention Pays. Miss Neen, do you like Obi-Wan or Yoda better? Hmm, Yoda, of course, I said. I was sitting at my next-door neighbor Eileen's kitchen table, savoring a cup of strong black coffee. Eileen had stepped out of the room, and I had reached for my phone to quickly check an email. In Eileen's absence, her five-year-old son Donovan, dressed in his Superman costume, had picked up the conversation with a barrage of questions. Miss Neen, do you like to play outside or in? Hmm, outside. Miss Neen, cats or dogs? Ugh, cats, I mumbled. Miss Neen, pay attention to me, please. Startled, I looked up. I am, honey. He assured me I was not, stamped his little feet, jumped up into my lap, took my phone out of my hands and put it on the table and he took my face in his tiny little hands and turned it toward him and with great superhero passion and intensity he said the words I will never forget. Pay attention to me. Neen, listen with your eyes. (laughs) In that precious moment, Donovan helped me realize why it's so important that we give intentional attention to the people, priorities, and passions that are important to us. (laughs) It took a five-year-old to teach me the value of truly paying attention and to show me that paying attention is not a passive activity. I love this example. And to be honest, it would have been my favorite passage had Neen not chosen it as hers. And here at the Experience of This Show, we always let the author pick their favorite passage first. But what's interesting is I'm guilty of this. I mean, I get distracted by technology. And in fact, I had an experience a few months ago, which I'm not proud of, with my youngest son that was very similar to the story that Neen describes. He, I was on my phone and he grabbed my face and turned it so that I would look at him. And again, not proud of this. It definitely led to some changes in how I interact with my cell phone. But I think this is the world we live in. But before I share my second favorite passage, since Neen took my first favorite one, I wanted to give some quick background. So this passage comes from Chapter 4, Focus on VIPs, Systematize Thoughtfulness, which is all about identifying the most important people in the personal and professional arenas of your life, and then making a regular habit of communicating with them and focusing on them. Here's the passage. Imagine what it would be like if you entered your boss's office and they stepped away from their computer, put their phone on silent, and put it away. As you spoke, they looked at you, giving you their undivided attention. They waited until you finished speaking, then asked a question or two, showing they had listened with their ears, their eyes, and their mind. 
Imagine how you would feel. Would you feel that your boss was investing in you? Taking time to really hear and address your concerns. Does your team get your attention when they enter your office? You know, it's funny that you selected this quote, Joey, because just today I was reviewing some takeaways from the Dreamforce conference that I was at last week. This is the this is Salesforce's big conference. When I say big, 170,000 people descend on San Francisco. And it turns out that this is actually what Ariana Huffington talked about when she mentioned that in her meetings, she requires that people leave their cell phones and computers in a different room. And you're not even allowed to bring them into her office. And the whole idea is that she wants people to bring their whole self and their whole brain into the meeting and not have any of those distractions. And, you know, while that seems like it might be harsh or a little overboard or what have you, it is amazing, even besides from the cell phones, it's amazing how much we're dependent on technology at work and how often that causes distractions. So you bring a laptop to a meeting, you know, with the intention of taking notes and you find yourself checking email or jumping onto the web or what have you. So I think it's a really great passage and and something we should all listen to. So my favorite passage was as follows. Time is fixed, but attention is flexible, which means it's not about time management. It's about attention management. We don't have a time management crisis. We have an attention management crisis. While we can't control time, we can protect what time we have. Our attention deficit society constantly conspires to steal our time and attention. We have to shield and safeguard our time so that we can direct our intentional attention into more strategic activities, such as the priorities that matter most. I love it. Now, folks, I realize that this book may seem a bit curious for a book report on a podcast all about customer experience, but I think the principles outlined in the book make all of us better at delivering a a remarkable customer experience. To all of our customers, those at work, our coworkers, our actual customers, our customers at home, the customers in our community. Best of luck listening with your eyes going forward. I promise that your various customers will notice. We've talked. You've listened. Now it's time to act. There are many things you could do to take what you've learned in this episode and implement it. But at times that can feel overwhelming. Instead, why not just focus on three takeaways? Takeaway number one, have you enhanced every aspect of your physical brand experience and do you keep improving it? A house used to be just a roof over your head and a place to hang your hat. Now, more homeowners are expecting their house to not only reflect their identity and personality, but to provide a series of ongoing remarkable experiences. When customers visit your office, do they have an experience? When prospects visit your store, do they have an experience? What are you doing to have the physical space you work in and serve your customers in contribute to their overall feelings about your business, your offerings, and you? What are you doing to keep that experience fresh, new, and ever-evolving? Takeaway number two, are you simplifying and automating the less-than-fun aspects of your business? 
Every product or service offering has elements which aren't particularly fun to do, and if not done properly, have the potential to create huge headaches for you and your customers. How can you simplify and automate your processes to give customers more control and thereby reduce the chance for your employees to make a mistake? Can you make doing business with you faster, smoother, more efficient? What can you do to focus your human activities on your customers and the more complex aspects of doing business with you while making technological improvements that handle the more basic and mundane tasks? Takeaway number three, are you really paying attention? Most people are overwhelmed by distractions in the form of people, projects, technology, alerts, and a host of interruptions too numerous to count. What are you doing to maintain your focus? What are you doing to pay attention to your customers in both your personal and your professional life? If we were to ask your spouse or significant other if you are paying attention, what would they say? If we were to ask your boss, your coworkers, your direct reports, if you are paying attention, what would they say? If we were to ask your customers if you are paying attention, what would they say? And those are three takeaways for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Experience This. If you haven't had the chance, please consider sending us a message and letting us know what you think of the show. What have you been paying attention to? You can use the cool SpeakPipe widget on our website at experiencethisshow.com, or you can tweet at Dan, but don't tweet at me. Is there another way you'd like to reach us? Go ahead. We'd be happy to receive whatever communication in whatever format serves you best. Thanks for reaching out and thanks for listening to Experience This. Wow. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions. And if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.